This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few moments, Juan Sung and Nathan Forster from Pigeon Box will join us with another local entrepreneurial success story. In our second hour today, John Carlson is back with us with his first look at Metro Vancouver real estate of 2020. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. The Bank of Canada is keeping its key interest rate target on hold at 1.75% and forecasting a slower than expected start for the economy in Canada this year, 2020. The central bank says its latest forecast is that the economy will grow by 1.6% this year. That's down a fraction of a point from its projection in October, basically saying the weaker number could also signal that global uncertainty is affecting Canada more than previously predicted, adding increasing household debt along with the weakness in the manufacturing centre and a tightening of provincial purse springs may have a dampening effect on the economy. If there is a silver lining in this week's announcement, the Bank of Canada says growth for next year, that would be 2021, is now forecast at 2%, up from an earlier prediction. As for this year... Keep your head down and try to reduce personal debt is the advice. We are collectively now well over a trillion dollars in household debt. Greeting card and stationery retailers Carlton Cards and Papyrus will be closing their shops across North America. Parent company Sherman Retail Group confirmed this week. The CEO said all 254 locations across North America will be closing and most stores will do that over the next four to six weeks. She said the decision to close the stores will impact the workforce of 1,400 people. Uh, You see, the group operates 76 retail stores in eight of Canada's provinces, including several here in B.C. The company was founded in the 50s as an importer of European paper products. Store-wide sales of, sorry, site-wide sales of 20% off are also to be found on some of its brand websites. This is a part of the big clearance. Here's a familiar post-mortem comment, quote, online greeting sales have been rendered some, have rendered rather some industry products obsolete, reads a business report, which singles out electronic cards as a growing alternative to the traditional paper offerings. Online greeting cards in North America uh, rose by 10% over the last five years, thus the closure of more of those greeting card stores. And Canada's two biggest airlines have again pushed back the return of the beleaguered 737 MAX after Boeing said it did not expect regulators to greenlight the jet for take off until the middle of the year. The delay until late June by Air Canada and WestJet follows similar moves by American Airlines, United, Southwest, further jeopardizing routes and profit margins. Earlier this month, Air Canada, we told you about this, opted to push back the return of the aircraft until March 31st. Uh-uh. Now the new re-entry date may be June 30th. WestJet announced Tuesday it'll remove the plane from its flight schedules until June 24th. Despite thousands 
thousands of canceled flights. Both airlines have completed the vast majority of their planned departures during the now 10-month grounding. The only major North American carrier with no 737 MAX planes is Delta Airlines, who, not surprisingly, have just reported its most profitable year in several this week. Those are just a few of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have a few more to look at as the show comes along, but coming up in just a very few moments, we'll meet the people behind Pigeon Box. This is a new Vancouver company that you're going to find most interesting, we hope. Stay with us on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined by a couple of Vancouver entrepreneurs in studio. Juan Sung and Norman Forster are with a Vancouver company called Pigeon Box. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to Vancouver Consumer. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us, Sterling. Oh, thank you very much for having us, Sterling. There's Nathan. He's the marketing guy, and Juan is the one of the co-founders yep. and kind of responsible for the business end of the operation. So let's start with you. Tell us about Pigeon Box. It's a Vancouver company that you created in your mind in Singapore yep. after doing a master's degree over there, yep. and the concept began to cook in your mind. You yep. came home, and off you go. Tell us about the concept and now the business. Yep. So the concept of the business is let's create a pickup point where online shoppers and the consumers can conveniently and securely pick up their packages. And the reason we came up with that concept is because oftentimes we see people missing their packages and having to drive to the nearest depots or the faraway depots in Richmond and Langley and wasting their uh, weekend mornings. So this is, of course, part of well, part of the reason we miss our packages is because of porch pirates, right? People porch just piracy steal is on the, the blinking yes. things, right? Yep. And that's no help. But what other reasons do people miss packages? They're just not home. They're just not home. I mean, I'm not home right now. Sterling, you're not home right now. Nathan is not home right now. Um, and... The listeners are probably driving as well. Many of them are. Yep. And during the day um, when the typically deliveries are, get, are getting delivered, which is around um, 10 to 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. or 2 to 4 p.m., most people are at work or at school uh, studying. So they're simply not home. That's why they miss their deliveries. So is the rule of most delivery companies, because you deal with many of them, it's not just a one source uh, company that you've got, and we'll talk about that, but is the rule with most delivery countries, companies rather that they need some kind of acknowledgement at the delivery end that indeed the parcel, the item was received? No, that's not the case. Um, so anyone can receive the packages on your behalf. The delivery company, the, the traditional courier companies, their job is really to deliver to the address, hand over to to a person whoever is there in that address. Ah, that's I, I suppose that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. There has to be someone. Uh, there has to be a human being to receive the package. You're not supposed to just leave it on the porch, no, yeah, are you? That that's the rule. You're not supposed to leave it on the porch. But you know. Everyone's on the on the pressure, um, and the, the delivery people has to deliver a certain number of packages per day. Right, and they are um, under uh, immense uh, time pressure, and that pressure is increasing because a lot more people are increasing more items from online. Um, that means for the delivery people, they have more addresses to deliver to, sure. more items to drop off. So what they choose to do is they just leave it on the porch, ring a bell or not ring a bell, and 
walk away. Ah, okay. Now, I'm interested in the origins of this idea, which yep. you which you cooked up while you were working in the banking business in Singapore. Yep. What on earth caused you to come up with this in the first place while you were helping people with their corporate bank accounts well, halfway around the world? Yeah, so um, I, I wasn't really the first one to to come up with this idea, um, The one, but I was well experienced uh, using this service um, back in Singapore. So my wife... Just getting packages. Exactly. So, okay. my, uh, so while I was in Singapore, my wife gave birth to two two beautiful daughters that 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 uh, that we are raising right now. Okay, and she would order their diapers, their uh, basically daily necessities online, and she would uh, ship it to a, a nearest uh, pickup kiosk. So she would message me saying, "Hey Juan, can you pick it up on your way home from from your work?" Um, right. Then I would go to the kiosk, punch in the code, and there is my package. So we almost never missed our delivery, certainly never had experience of porch piracy. Um, so that's where I thought, okay, this could work really well in North America. So I'm curious as to why she chose, why your wife chose not to have the items delivered to your house where the, where your children were and, yep. and needing those uh, baby food and diaper items, but she chose a neutral third-party location to have it delivered. Was that a security issue? No, because she wasn't home. Because she was taking our uh, young children to enrichment classes, to swimming classes, um, to play dates. Oh, okay. So she was driving around during the day, um, and she, yeah, she, she just wasn't was not sure home. that she was going to be home exactly. when the delivery person arrived. Yeah. So then, uh, so was this a popular idea then in Singapore? The the sort of uh, the collection point. For people with uh, delivery items? Yeah, so it was getting popular when I was using it. Um, so it started off with few local locations um, on transit stations, and then it got into uh, a partnership with um, grocery stores as well as convenience stores. So right now, they probably have a few hundred uh, locations across Singapore. Okay. So Pigeon Box is an, an attempt to replicate that concept that you became familiar with and used on a daily basis yep. uh, in Singapore here in, in Metro Vancouver. Here in Metro Vancouver, yes. And so how long has the company been up and running? Just over a year. So we started off, uh, so my co-founder Miguel Testa and myself uh, got together um, and he created the software uh, from scratch and we started off about a year ago on UBC Point Grey campus. We put our first unit up and running on uh, UBC Nest, that's the student union building. Oh, sure, okay, yeah. Yeah, and we opened it up to um, whoever is committing to uh, to UBC because our hypothesis was that a lot of UBC students or staff there don't live on campus, um, which means they spend their daytime on campus mm -hmm. away from home. So sure. there must be they must be missing their packages. Um, and we were so correct. why not bring the packages to where it'd be easy for them to pick up on their way home? Where you are, and not where you're not. Sure. Interesting stuff. Now, Nathan, you're a UBC person. You're still taking courses out there. You're a marketing guy. You've had your own marketing company. And now you're doing marketing work with Juan and Pigeon Box. What brought you to this project? Oh, I've been friends with Miguel and Juan for a little bit. Um, they initially wanted to sign my marketing agency for a project about a year ago Okay. when they were out raising money um, in the Philippines for their seed round. And um I've been helping them with their marketing campaigns over the last year, just um, informally through like Messenger or text with Miguel. And after uh, one of my marketing campaigns gave them one of the hugest spikes in user activation that they had, um, they decided to bring me on board since they finally had um, money to fund me. And wow. yeah, I'm really um, happy to work with them because I feel that 
one of the things that I really look for in a company that I work with is that they um, have a lot of care into the process and strategy and thought behind marketing. Right. And they are open to trying out funky ideas, which can be very important when you're dealing with a new product type that not many people have used in our um, region of Canada yet. Right. Well, and, and it's it's a terrific idea uh, whose time has certainly come. And we'll talk about your connection with TransLink and winning that contest in a couple of minutes. But just back to the idea of, of getting people around Metro Vancouver uh, using vehicles like Oh, Vancouver consumer on CKNW as one of the many possibilities. How, what's the messaging here? All of a sudden, there's a new way to more securely assure yourself of receiving the parcels you've already gone out and paid for, right? Right, right. So how do you, how do you, what's the target audience? And it's 2020. How, what, what are your vehicles, marketing vehicles, for reaching your target audience? Mm, well, um. One of the most important things I find in marketing is that you talk to the consumer in the way that they want to be talked to. And that began with us trying to figure out who our target consumer was. Okay. And after a bunch of hypothesizing, we came to this idea of the hobbyist who is oftentimes ordering a lot online, whether it's for um, arts and crafts or um, fashion. But or car parts, if you do that sort of hobby oh, in, on yeah. the weekends in the garage. All <laughs> those sorts of things. Gaming, sure. Name it. Right, okay. Right, right. And um, as we launched, we realized that there were so many more there were so many more different types of consumers that we hadn't initially prepared for, but a large portion of them are the hobbyists. So we're here to help people protect their, say, computer parts so their um, CPU isn't frisbeed onto their doorstep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ah, and that's another reality that happens. And we, I mean, with our, uh, our porch pirates that we were talking about earlier, Juan, uh, we also have, we have doorbell video now. Most people have, or a lot, a high percentage of people have some kind of surveillance device. So mm-hmm. we have just an abundance, a super abundance of evidence that this bad stuff goes on. Mm-hmm. You don't need to convince people, Nathan, in terms of marketing, that bad guys are out there swiping stuff right off your porch. That part is accomplished. Right. So, then the idea would be to get past that and say, here's how not to have, as you say, something frisbeed on, onto your porch <laughs> and then swiped by somebody else. And that's that's the message, really, isn't it? It's about security. Yes. And um, we also found that um, because people were so sold on security, one of the most important things that we wanted to stress is convenience. All right. um, it's such a new product type that people oftentimes, even myself, I thought that the process of picking up a package at Pigeon Box would be much more complicated than it really is. Mm-hmm. But in reality, all you have to do is ship your package to the Pigeon Box address and you'll get a text message with a code and you type in the code and you pick up your package. It's as easy as a shop, ship, grab. And so it all starts at pigeonbox.ca, Juan, where you go and you can register and click on the thing and register now, register for free, as a matter of fact, yep. today. Yep. Uh, and so once you become a subscriber, a member, so to speak, uh, then you're you're in the system. Your information is in the system. Uh, and then you have uh, the ability to receive parcels at, at uh, do you get to designate where that parcel, sh- where you want to pick it up? 
yes. In uh, so far, we don't have that feature right now because we only have one location on UBC Point Grey. So, so we're talking about, by the way, friends, just just because we're we're just launching Uber and Lyft today yep. around town, and they've got what nine cars <laughs> yeah. to service yeah. what two million people. Yep. It's a little slow today. It's just getting started, and that's where we are with Pigeon Box. It's yep. just getting started. Just getting started. But you've got this tremendous boost, Juan. You yep. we, had, we reported on this on mm-hmm. this program a week or two ago that you and your company have won a contest with TransLink. This is a huge boost because now we're going to be able to see pigeon boxes at three TransLink stations. You're correct. So, And those uh, stations are Chinatown Stadium Station, which represents for us a um, huge uh, working population. And we also have Commercial Broadway, which uh, for us represents a lot of uh, transitory population. Sure, yeah. And Joyce Collingwood, which for us represents a lot of residential population. Okay. Um, and we and st- plus you have the UBC location already. Yep. And we will be also adding uh, UBC Rothman Square as well. Oh, okay. And that's the yep. downtown UBC. Yep, correct. Okay, interesting stuff. So that would And when does all this start with TransLink? Uh, we're targeting to launch uh, the service to the public in mid-March. Okay. And uh, so uh, walk us through. Suppose now I'm a regular TransLink user. I'm uh, not at home when most of my online purchases are going to be delivered. So Mm -hmm. now how does it work? I register. I open an account at Pigeon Box. And then what? When I buy something online, what do I do? Well, when you buy something online, let's say let's say Amazon, um, okay. that's where most people shop nowadays. Sure. Um, rather than typing in your residential address on the checkout page, you type in a pigeon box address. Okay. Simply as as simple as that, and you click submit or check out, and you wait for a text message fr- from us, and that text message will say, "Okay, Mister or Missus, would you like to pick it up from which location and from what t- uh, what date or time?" Okay. And you pick your uh, time, location, according to your schedule, not to not to according to the courier schedule. Um, and once it's ready for the pickup on the time and the location that you chose to, you will receive a code with a six-digit open code. And all you have to do is approach the locker when you're walking by, punch in the code, and you pick up your package. Okay. And uh, just for, uh, again, I'm trying to formulate this in my mind, what size lockers are these? Because, of course, there are going to be limitations on the size of the packages. Of course. Uh, what sort of volume size are we talking so about? So right now we have um, about 40 doors per station okay. prepared. Uh, we can add more doors um, as, as the demand picks up. Of readily. course. That's um, easy. Yeah, that's easy. Um, and we, we have about large, we have three different size uh, locker doors. We have large size, medium size, and small oh, size. Oh, okay. So there are options doors, too. Of course, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And large size will fit in your typical uh, domestic printer machines and small size will, will, uh, will fit in a large backpack. Oh, okay. And so once you uh, make your purchase, instead of uh, um, giving your home address, you give the pigeon box address, the one that's close to you or the one that's on your train route, Mm -hmm. whatever. uh, And that's where the courier or the delivery, the Amazon delivery uh, agent will will see that uh, delivered. And you still get a notification if you're tracking your purchase that it's now at the pigeon box? Quite close, but... uh to to more accurately put it, we actually manage the last mile or the last fifty feet. So all the packages come to our office in in UBC Robson. Oh, I see. And we deliver. Now you distribute to the boxes exactly. at the train stations. Yeah, because the reason we do that we, is because we want to let the consumer dictate or be in control of their scheduling. 
Ah, so even if it if it came, even if it's twenty four hour delivery, and you're not going to be available twenty four hours when the thing is, yep. then you just say I'll pick it up the next day. Yeah, then we'll no keep problem. it in the office. Um, and some people will say I'm 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 available next Tuesday from noon onwards, and we'll deliver next Tuesday, not today. Our guests from Pigeon Box, a brand new Vancouver startup, are Juan Sung and Nathan Forster. We're going to open up our phone lines. A lot of enthusiastic Vancouver entrepreneurs love stories like this. 604-280-9898. If you have some questions for our guests, 604-280-9898. It all continues after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. Our guests in studio, the guys from Pigeon Box, Juan Sung and Nathan Forster. And there's a third guy, and that's Miguel. And he right now, uh, uh, Juan, is yep. out, out at UBC yep. shooting a new video for Pigeon Box. Yep. So we are shooting our very first explainer video for our future users who, who might wonder, how does this work? So he is busy at UBC campus uh, shooting shooting that video right now. And that'll be up on pigeonbox.ca, presumably within just a few days, Mr. Market Manager here, Nathan. Oh, uh, yes. I would imagine you'd want to have that available to our consumers pretty quickly. Oh, very much so. Excellent. We did open up the phone lines, and we did uh, uh, invite our listeners to join us. And uh, 604-280-9898 is the number. And uh, Doug is joining us from Surrey. Doug, thanks for waiting. We you, you dialed up just before we went to the news break. We appreciate your patience. What's up? Well, I appreciate hearing the news, so thank you for that. Uh, as someone who uh, unfortunately lives in a, in a less than desirable uh, area, uh, it would be suicidal for me to have any delivery service leave any package on my front door because it would be gone. So this interests me very much. Okay. So I have a, I have a couple of questions, uh, uh, first of which is how much is the service and who pays? Excellent. I was going to get to that myself, and uh, Juan was expecting it. Yeah, so right now we're charging our uh, end consumers $3 per delivery, or you can opt for an unlimited uh, delivery service at $10 per month. Oh, so one or the other, 3 bucks a pop or 10 bucks a month. Yep. So you have options there, Dave. Uh, Doug, well, sorry. Certainly, yeah, and that sounds great. That's certainly a very reasonable price. My other question, uh, currently, because I can't have deliveries at my, my front door, I use the Flex service through Canada Post, and that's available at any postal outlet. Mm-hmm. In Canada, it costs absolutely nothing, and um, it works very, very well for me. So aside from the fact that Pigeon Box is accessible 24 hours a day, I would be interested to hear how your guests today mark themselves versus the Flex service. All right, very good. I appreciate identical. it. Yeah, that's a good call, Doug. Very much. Uh, we, uh, we were talking about that during the news, as a matter of fact. I asked them point blank, who would you identify as your principal competitor? They both looked at me and almost, almost in harmony said, oh, that'd be Canada Post. So, <laughs> so talk to, uh, let's uh, address Doug's issue first here, Juan. Yeah, so Flex delivery um, is, is working well, um, and we, wait, we are well aware of uh, the service that they are offering. Um, what we are offering on top of what Flex Delivery is offering um, is actually, Doug, you, you pointed out, is the convenience. Um, our our um, kiosk will be operational almost 24 hours a day um, and it will be automated, which means you don't have to potentially line up at, um, at any lo- uh, locations and you don't have to... And you don't have to a, drive to the nearest post office, that exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. It will right. be on your way, on your way to work and there's no additional trip yeah, that, that is required. And some of our users um, who switched from uh, Flex Delivery to Pigeon Boxer 
service, what their feedback is. You know, they they just don't feel like uh, dealing with uh, a person over a counter. Whereas uh, Pigeon Box is basically an automated key uh, kiosk. You punch in the code, and there you go, on your way. Um, and there's really a lineup. So that's the convenience uh, uh, factor that we can offer on top of the uh, flex delivery option. And I guess the other reality, uh, Nathan, this is just a growing pains question because we we now have, as of March, once this thing with TransLink opens up and you've got the three pigeon box pickup locations at uh, Joyce Collingwood, uh, Stadium Chinatown, and uh, Commercial Broadway, along with the two uh, UBC downtown and campus locations. That's five, but it's not helping the people in North Van or White Rock very much. I live in New Westminster. Uh, next door is Burnaby, and then there's Rich. And uh, so what about expanding around Metro Vancouver? Doug's uh, calling in from Surrey this afternoon. Yep. How long do you, will it be before a guy like Doug, who's clearly interested in this, yep. will be able to avail himself of a pigeon box drop-off? Yep, so we have uh, two more uh, sort of expansion phase plans uh, for the next three years or so. Um, so we actually want to tackle the infrastructures that we have uh, in Metro Vancouver first. Right. So those are transit stations, uh, parking lots, as well as uh, large shopping malls. Once we tackle that, um, we are confident that we'll, we have we are on the way to most people's daily routine. But ah. we also realize um, we won't be in the deep neighborhoods, let's say North Vancouver or Surrey or White Rock. So in order for us to reach to uh, to those uh, communities or to those neighborhoods, what we are reaching out is we are reaching out to private addresses or private homeowners who happen to be home and who are willing to open their addresses and receive the packages on behalf of other people. Essentially, it's basically Airbnb, but for packages. We already have uh, wait lists of about 75 residents um, across Metro Vancouver who are willing to sign up and open up their address and receive packages on behalf of other people. So you're going to become a pigeon box kind of uh, clearing point exactly. uh, if you want to be. Exactly. This is your equivalent of Uber and Lyft drivers, isn't it? Exactly. It really yeah. is. This, yeah. All this new startup stuff coming all up on once, Nathan, it's exciting for a guy, especially with a marketing career uh, tapped out as you already have, and and you're you're going to go forward. It's an exciting time to be in the business. Oh, definitely, especially because um, as I got into marketing, I was very inspired by um, top minds who built their career in marketing on marketplace startups mm-hmm. like Uber, um, Facebook. I've always read the works of um, Andrew Chen, Lenny Richinsky, some very cream of the crop marketers who've taught me a lot of what I know right now. Interesting stuff. Now, uh, well, one other thing that you mentioned to me during the news break, Juan, that uh, I, I just I wrote down because I hadn't heard it before. You said we are courier and e-commerce agnostic. What does that mean? So right now, um, there are other locker uh, kiosks available uh, primarily from Amazon. So if you go to Whole Foods or some shopping malls, there are Amazon lockers. And Toronto Dominion Bank branches, some of those have Amazon boxes. Right, Right, yes. Uh, But the downside of those is um, you can only order your deliveries from Amazon. Right, you can't use it for any other purpose. For not, for not, uh, yeah, and right. for couriers as well. Um, those are only fulfilled by Amazon fulfillment services. Okay. Um, whereas for us, because we we handle the the final fifty mile ourselves, we don't c- really care um, who delivers the packages to us, whether it's UPS, FedEx, DHL, or Amazon fulfillment services. And for our users, we don't really care where they order from. In fact, um, currently our current users on UBC. They order from all sorts of uh, consumer br- uh, brands, from Lululemon to Aritzia, to brands in in um, in Australia, in London, in Singapore, in Tokyo. So lots of offshore buying too. Of then. course, yeah. 
Okay, and you can accommodate uh, all of those packages coming from wherever. Wherever and carried by whoever. Okay, and again, so now that this this new phase where you're getting individuals to be uh, a, a gathering point for parcel uh, pickup and mm-hmm. distribution, how does one go through that process? If you've already got a waiting list, clearly a lot of people think it's a great idea because yeah. they're going to make a small fee per parcel kind of thing, right? Yes. So this is part of the gig so economy. So they're at home. Yep. And they don't have to go anywhere. They nope. just have to have a place that they can organize this activity yep. and make money. Exactly. Okay. That's, yep. That sounds uh, kind of okay. So you have a waiting list. Go uh, give us some detail about what sort of vetting process you're, you would go through and what sort of individual and residence you're looking for. Yeah. So right now, the vetting process that we are going for is first, we have to make sure the place is safe and secure mm-hmm. um, because there will be our users visiting that locations, picking up their packages. Sure. So that's number one. And, and number two is we have to make sure that these people are genuinely um, uh, staying at home because we don't want a case where oh, sure. these people sign up and they don't end up being at home because then it's uh, um, very inconvenient for, for all parties involved. Sure, sure. Um, so those are the, uh, the primary uh, vetting process. We also look at the location because we don't want to have 10 locations in one small neighborhood. Sure. So we have to um, figure out which location to to provide. Um, and we're using um, postal codes to figure out, okay, this postal code has X number of population. Therefore, we will have 10 or 15 uh, hosts, we call them, um, in that in that uh, location. And there are about 50 uh, postal code zones in Metro Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and we plan to have anywhere between 5 to 10 per zone. Um, so we'll have a few hundred uh, locations. And that actually brings us to having the most pickup location in Metro Vancouver, surpassing even the big uh, companies like Canada Post. Interesting. And of course, this is all just a local, uh, Nathan, concept that the grand business plan and the grand design carries well beyond the borders of uh, uh, Richmond and North Van and getting this market right. You're already talking about Toronto and other Canadian cities, and Juan even mentioned North America. So clearly, this is an idea not only whose time has come, but the execution of the idea is very doable. This is, this is real, and this can happen. Right, right, right. And um, we've seen business models like this take great success in Asia. Um, One of the most exciting things for me, at the very least, is that when it comes to sustainability, we reduce a lot of carbon emissions from the process of needing to deliver this last mile delivery from across very many different apartment buildings. Right, and that's certainly a consideration that has to be included in the business model going forward. This is a consideration now, even from a financing point of view. I'm sure that when you were looking for that venture capital to lift this thing off the ground in the first place, some people were wondering about carbon footprints and what were you planning to do with all of that of course uh, uh greenhouse gas emission and carbon footprint is 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 a rising issue we're here with uh, juan sung and nathan forster from pigeon box in the meantime and uh, uh, juan you were talking about the grand design and and uh, uh, and i was going to ask you about parking lots nathan said parking lots are part of phase two as you as you begin to include individual homeowners and and creating those sorts of distribution points prior to that you said you wanted to organize parking lots so would you go to a an impark with multiple locations around the metro region and say how about it or do you go one by one we go to um 
a company that owns multiple locations in North America, and uh, we are already in contact with some of them. Um, and the reason we pick a uh, parking lot is parking lot um, actually occupies uh, a significant portion of our real estate in downtown um, area. Um, and daily commuters use that real estate extensively. So we, we think it's, it's one of the most uh, convenient locations for a lot of commuters who drive and who don't necessarily, necessarily take uh, the public transportation. Interesting stuff. Now, Nathan, how did you come to know this? How did you come to know that a parking lot strategy, along with a SkyTrain station strategy, would be really most useful to a lot of people who might avail themselves of this pigeon box service? Did you survey? Did you do polls? How did you investigate this? Oh, it all comes down to convenience. We um, talked to a lot of the users at UBC campus, and of course, very many of them use transit. But we thought that if we are expanding across Vancouver, we'll need to find some way to cater to our users who don't just use transit, who are out here driving to um, their jobs downtown and going to um yeah, parking spots without using the 14 or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so, uh, again, is there a timeline? We've got the TransLink stations, uh, Juan, coming online in the spring. Yep. Uh, and then, so is there a timeline with respect to st- starting to see pigeon box uh, pickup spots around parking lots in Metro Vancouver? Made this summer sometime? Yep. So we are actually uh, planning to have our pilots uh, running sometime towards the end of the dis- end of this year. And our next milestone is end of 2021, where we'll have about 10 TransLink locations, um, as well as about 10 additional um, parking lot locations and our first um, 10 Pigeon Box host private address locations. Interesting. And now you said that when, when you won that contest with TransLink and, and you ended up, you're going to the, the three stations that we've identified, you said TransLink actually offered you multiple locations mm-hmm. and you selected these three over maybe seven or eight or nine more. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose the three that you did? So the reason we chose uh, Chinatown was because Chinatown was a very distinctive uh, working population. Okay. We see a lot of people getting off the train during the morning and getting onto the sta- train on the station um, between 4 to 5 p.m. Um, for Commercial Broadway, it, we chose it because it is a transi- transitory station. Mm-hmm. And for Joyce Collingwood, it, it is mainly a residential station where a lot of people get onto the station um, in the morning and get off from the station at the evening. And they just walk home. And just walk home. Sure. And from the data analysis of these uh, three stations, we will be able to tell, okay, which uh, type of station makes sense for us to expand further? Is it the residential type stations or is it the working type stations? So that's why we chose those three distinctive uh, stations. So Nathan, uh, if a person like Doug listening to us this afternoon and Surrey and lots of other people who are very curious now about this new Vancouver startup called Pigeon Box, the website is pigeonbox, one word, dot ca. Uh, when they go to the website, is there a place for people to ask questions uh, similar to what Doug was wanting to know about, and, uh, and that's is there an interactive element to the website? Yeah, um, if you just email support at pigeonbox.ca, we'll get back to any of your questions, oh, and good. Okay. soon we'll have a live chat up on the website, so you can just directly message us. And for those who are living in, say, Surrey, um, Abbotsford. If you are to register for an account right now, we'll be emailing people with updates on the locations we expand to. So, As you get these individuals, uh, private citizens, with distribution points in that network that you're about to create. Yes. Okay. Right. 
And if you sign up right now and type in CKNW as your referral code, we can make your first three deliveries free. What a guy. What a beer. Nathan Forster, <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> One really. song also. Thank you for coming by. It's a terrific idea. Congratulations. Thank you very much. For coming up with it, sticking with it, and getting the darn thing up and running. Our, our, we wish you considerable success. Thank you. We're back after this. And once again... Our thanks to Juan Sung and Nathan Forster from Pigeon Box for a very entertaining and informative visit. On deck for our next hour is John Carlson with his first look at Metro Vancouver real estate for 2020. Time now for Ask Andrew, in which Andrew Ferreira, our producer, answers questions like, what's up with the new boats for BC Ferries we saw hit the water a day or two ago? Yeah, so it's BC Ferries' new island-class boats, and it's the first two of them, and these ones are going to go into service uh at some point around this summer in 2020. Okay. And they'll be servicing the the north northern Vancouver Island, like the Powell River routes and the Port McNeil Alert Bay and Sointula route near uh, south of Port Hardy. Uh, the big deal about these ones, they're actually the very first hybrid ferries that BC Ferries has in their fleet. So these have the capability to run only on battery for short periods of time, which is very key because what BC Ferries, one of the things they really want to push is this ability to be a little bit more environmentally friendly. Sure, you bet. And one of the things that really disturbs marine life is like the loud vibrations from traditional diesel motors. Okay. So by being able to run on battery for, you know, if there's like a, you say you spot a pod of killer whales, you can, you, instead of having to stop the ship, now you can just switch to the battery and you can run silently. Yes, and that's smart. And, and then, and as, will the will the engines charge the batteries when well when it's their turn? That's what I'm led to believe. A lot, oh, a lot okay. of the uh, the features are out there, but this is the first step. And I think what you're seeing in a lot of ferry companies worldwide, like if you look south of the border in Seattle, mm-hmm. they've put in a massive order for electric ferries, just full on electric. Interesting. Now, for the longer haul routes that BC ferries have, that's not exactly viable just yet. But I think in the future, you're going to see for a lot of these shorter routes, for instance, Horseshoe Bay to Langdale. On the Sunshine Coast, you might start to see that maybe in the future, in the next 10, 15 years, be served by a hybrid or maybe even electric ferry. Interesting stuff. Thank you. Ask Andrew, by the way. You can ask questions of Andrew Ferreira simply by tweeting them to us at Van Consumer. Or you can send me an email and I'll pass it along at sterling at cknw.com. All that snow we had last week was a huge downer for the organizers of the much-anticipated Food Truck Festival. And they had to cancel some dates. But fear not, foodies, they're back. With new extended hours, too. Street Food City Number 9, part of Vancouver's Dine Out Festival, will now have happen January 31st through February 9th. Open 11 to 3 Monday to Friday, 11 to 5 on the weekends. This year's edition, 25 food trucks will be featured. They'll be set up at the Vancouver Art Gallery Square on Georgia Street. And again, it all kicks off next Friday, January 31st, running through February 9th. Bon appétit. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.